We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast. My name is Terry Smith. I have two people with me, but we're going to do a new thing first where i kind of intro the news and do like a little preview like we're on like the six o'clock news so this week on bardic inspiration we have a new D movie trailer to discuss in the village crier we have uh the tabletop awards 2022 all of the winners we have some new one D news coming from our D news correspondent char or we call you the one D uh news correspondent because we all talk about the D news that's what the show is if you're not getting that and then in eye of the beholder we have race to species talk and why those terms are problematic and now i will introduce the people on the show with me Charday, how are you doing one half of the slovenly trolls tell me it's good the best half of the slovenly trolls is doing <laughs> fantastic thank you for asking i've been trying to get away from it and like you know like steer it but it's, it never never well, no, works because i know because i know lissa and she's gonna say something and you always introduce me first so i gotta get the one up you know <laughs> I'll throw the switch. I'll pivot. I'll throw you all off. Yeah. Um, and the other half of the Slovenly <laughs> Trolls, Lissa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So how does this divide if we're doing the news? Who's the sports section? Because I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> I, I probably, you know, stereotypical man, know the most about sports, and I don't like it, so let's not talk about it. Uh, I played I sports like growing up, but I don't watch sports. Uh, does, does, like, dodgeball count? I follow a lot of dodgeball. Dodge, dip, dive, dodge, and dodge, <laughs> dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dive and dodge. dodge. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I, I get a lot of sports news from my in-laws. Like they're very into sports, specifically Michigan sports. So the Tigers, the Red Wings, the Lions, the Pistons, probably. What? Some I don't other know sports. what I don't know what these sports. They're the professional teams for Michigan, our state, uh, for uh, basketball, baseball, hockey, and ah. football. Okay. And they're very, very big fans of all of those things. And they'll I, I try to keep up with it so we have something to talk about because they're as much as they are very, very supportive and very nice about my career and what I do, they don't know anything about dungeons, nor dragons, nor comic books, so it doesn't really uh doesn't really follow do you you two get together with the fam at the different holidays right do you have to talk about shit that you don't give a shit about oh all the time and i have a huge family and um they i love them all to bits but some of the things that we talk about i just they are also big sports fans also of michigan teams and i'm just i i can't talk to them about that so then we talk about like my personal life and then i don't want to talk about that either um so <laughs> i just avoid everybody and go sit in a corner and read a book love it love it i yeah. i was really big into sports in the 90s when i was a child uh, <laughs> i didn't have access to the internet readily available so like i loved the pistons back then um i love playing sports like i was really really big into playing uh basketball and baseball throughout like junior high and a little bit in high school and stuff so like i'm aware of all the rules like if someone said hey we're going to play football i would be able to follow along but that doesn't mean i want to watch it like you know and you can watch people you know stab dragons and shit like i'd rather do that like it's just more interesting 
Mm. Like I was talking about, Game of Thrones ruined any chance of me ever being into professional sports because no one's <laughs> no one's fucking their siblings, no one's heads are getting chopped off. There's no dragons, no zombies. Like, what do you want me to be interested in? Well, about listen, this? some listen in like what, how old was I? In like tenth grade, my uh, one of my history teachers showed us quote hockey bloopers is what he called them, <laughs> and he literally showed us a clip of a guy almost getting decapitated. So. Yeah, oh yeah, that I I know the exact uh, clip you're yeah, talking about, and that like, is really fucked up. And listen, if we're gonna yeah, pick a sport out yeah, of all those, hockey's the one to watch because people are allowed to. Fight. Yeah, hockey's great, <laughs> but still. I was about to say, like, my family watches because we are basic white people. Um, <laughs> one. And You're basic then, European white people, though. It's yeah, a different flavor. White people. It's uh -huh. a different flavor of vanilla. Yeah. Um, Formula One. Obviously. Formula One. Oh, God. Why and is this such a stereotype? I don't know, because I've dated men who are white and from <laughs> Europe, and they also watch Formula One, and it's the one thing that I have in common with them, so I can talk about that. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of my retired friends, uh, he, he, he was an engineer for a long time, but he also used to race and loves Formula One, and so I have knowledge of it tangentially, and whenever I talk to other Europeans, now I can talk about it with you, is like, I just bring up my Formula One knowledge that I picked up from him. Shout out to Norm, I love you. Um, and he was just like, yeah, here's all the things about Formula One. So I know too much about it, but it's all out of context. Like, I know all the keywords, mm. basically, mm -hmm. but I know nothing about it. I've never watched a Formula One race. I've been to one live. <laughs> Wasn't that wow. awful? Because you get to see like a little bit of it. Well, so, so here's the thing. Um, it's much more interesting on TV because you can see all the action happening. Well, right, right. But, well, like, when you're actually sitting in one spot on the track, <laughs> you can that see go one by. turn that they <laughs> keep going around, all you see is tiny cars going around that one spot, and nothing that happens ever there, ever. I, it blew my mind. My, my grandfather was uh, a racer in the lower levels of NASCAR, so was my uncle, and uh, they loved it, and I tried to get into it. I just couldn't, you know. I, I understand why people enjoy it, but if you're just watching people go around in a circle, you know. I'd rather, like, I'll play Need for Speed. That's fucking fun, you yeah. know. Mario Kart's a blast. But watching it, especially in person, <laughs> awful and loud. Um, but uh, they used to do these rally races where I lived, because it's in the middle of nowhere. So you get, like, Travis Pastrana and a bunch of other people who do, you know, like, the off-roading Subaru races. That's what we also do in Finland. Uh, exactly. I knew, I knew you knew exactly what I was talking about. And so, like, it was a big deal because my house was on the route. And, like, they blocked off the road, kind of. Like, they could have killed me because I was just a kid on a bicycle um, allowed to be in the road as these guys are going, like, 80 miles an hour on a dirt road. But whatever. Um, and everyone made such a big deal. Like, oh, my God, you get to see. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's not like on TV. I don't get to see the whole fucking race. I see one dude drifting around the corner past my house for, like, a millisecond. And that's that's all you get. You don't get the sky view. I, I've never understood people who go live to races unless you're, like, really high up, right? Like, if you're in a stadium. Or, like, you own the team I mean, or something. Sure, if you're by, support, but... If you're by the finish line, it makes more sense. <laughs> or if you're, like, nearby where they finish, it makes more sense. Because also, again, I have been to rally races. <laughs> the World Rally Championships does come to Finland. <laughs> Those are at least and a little also, bit more interesting, though. I, in also, my opinion, also, but. 
also Finnish people are for whatever reason what that's one of the sports that Finnish people do is rally and driving so we are in Formula One and rally which is another reason why my family likes to watch what about dog sledding that used to be a thing like that was huge and now now it's it's very much not i follow the alaskan dog sledding because that's the only Uh one that's as popular but it used to be a bigger thing all across europe and then they were like you know what fuck that we have cars that go so fast (laughs) fuck the dogs (laughs) i think i I think they have them up in the north yeah Uh, they still have them but is it a do you care like i've seen them i know they have them there but yeah but we also have reindeer so (laughs) i guess that's fair that's probably way more interesting if you put antlers on dogs they'd watch it exactly <laughs> why do people listen to this show i gotta ask we're at the end of the year our viewers have grown a huge amount i really appreciate it mostly because people love the slovenly trolls and they're like i guess we'll listen to them talk to this dude um <laughs> about D stuff sometimes sometimes dogs with antlers uh but i i would just want to shout out i really really appreciate it i think we grew over like eleven thousand subscribers this year so it's just like super super duper awesome you get two more episodes for the end of the year we're gonna take a week off but you won't know that because we're recording two episodes today spoilers uh so if you're like next week when you tune into our bits and bobs special and you're like okay there's a lot of like bits and bobs but nothing else it's because we're sipping my ties on the beach somewhere because that's what we do on vacation yeah we go on vacation yeah definitely we We didn't just yell about Uh all these deadlines we got to do no of course not why would you even say that oh my god (laughs) speaking of deadlines let's get to it first up bardic inspiration oh i I guess i didn't uh did i mention no bits and bobs this week because we're doing the special next week also i don't terry i don't think you introduced me I said, oh. yeah, I said Lissa, the other half of the Slavic Trolls. No, no, yeah, 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 then he asked how you were doing. Oh, okay, maybe I just... I Listen here, up. you son of a gun. <laughs> we talked about Formula Un, and we talked about <laughs> dogs with antlers. Don't you tell me I didn't introduce you. You're from Finland, goddammit. You're not even really, right? Like, how do you... Do you you're not from Finland. That's listen, not true. Listen. We don't, I don't think we have time um, for my childhood <laughs> trauma on this podcast. We don't. One day. One day we will have time. So, first up, Bardic Inspiration, the new D&D movie trailer. D&D, Honor Among Thieves. If you don't know, put out a new trailer. Kind of a combo of best of funny moments and some behind the scenes showing we're having fun. I normally hate these kinds of trailers where they're like, hey, here's a, like a little bit of extra footage that's going to ruin jokes. That would be very funny if you watched it in the movie. And here's some behind the scenes to show our actors are real people just like you they eat food they make jokes it's great it's a great time fuck that dnd uh or movie sets are stressful let alone trying to throw in all these special effects but i fucking loved this trailer i was laughing for all three minutes of it did you two watch this what do you think i did and i i unironically love the these kind of trailers <laughs> that's a, that's a, i know i know they're pandering and kind of dumb but i'm also a really big behind the scenes junkie like when I, whenever i buy something on dvd i make sure it has like a shit ton of behind the scenes because i always find that stuff super fascinating of like how they made the movie what sure, the process yeah. was like and all that so, i like, love I those like specials kind of i just style. don't like them in the trailer that's all I don't mind. I haven't really seen them in trailers super often. Um, at you least just don't watch as many trailers as I do. This is this is always also the, true, this is the classic yeah. third trailer. 
Like you do the oh, teaser, okay. and then you do the trailer, and then they do this is and the behind the scenes cut for like the big motion picture ones where it's like not avant garde or not super niche. It's kind of weird to see like this fantasy one, but they're building this kind of like an MCU movie where it's like no, this they is action kind of. and comedy and and you could see, you can see that influence for sure, but I don't think that's a bad thing. In this no, case. I'm so and fucking thought, excited for it. It's so weird too because I really really like the trailer. I'll just start off by saying that I don't really have any critiques of it. I also really enjoyed it. I thought it captured the um the vibes of D very well and maybe even more excited i'm still trying not to have like the highest of expectations yeah, it's always fair. better if you go in with lower ones but it did get me excited however i was really surprised to see there was like an article i think it was from polygon that said yeah, polygon did it. oh look look at all these laughs in the new D trailer and i'm just like um yeah <laughs> that was such a it. weird that was like i it was just a weird title and it was like have you never played a D game before like it's half generously half serious half like slapstick dick joke humor like that is a D campaign so if you have a D movie where you can't really like show the actual people play the, playing D D or just showing forgotten realms the least you could do is like get the environment and i think they did that really well but then somebody at polygon was like this is weird and i'm just like what 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 do you expect do you know what D D is like, I, they, I don't i was so very confused they, that was definitely that was their movie writer i can't remember the name on the article but uh i follow them often on polygon it wasn't so much that they didn't understand D D as much as um the way that they had been covering the D D movie was a little bit like uh just like, hey, here's the D&D movie kind of thing. Um, and then this one was like, hey, this specifically has all of the jokes. Um, but I don't think that that tone came across in the article necessarily. No. It did seem a little bit like, hey, like, did you know it was going to be this funny? I think it was a little bit more pandering to their Polygon audience rather than they don't know. Because they've covered it from the beginning. Um, and they've been really expanding their D&D coverage and TTRPG coverage. Mm -hmm over polygon i think it was a little bit of hey we're gonna write downward a little bit in this article um more than that author not knowing it's kind of like what i criticize dicebreaker sometimes for where they're like we're gonna add a bunch of context so i was like who do you think's reading dicebreaker you know what i mean um yeah. but in polygon's defense there are a shit ton of people who read polygon who don't know anything about i have i have the article title so that people know what we're talking yeah about, i'm sorry so. give some context there's like what the fuck are you talking I, about i think context is is very much needed and it's weird because the it's it's such a weird pandery title that i think that's why people kind of got the wrong impression if they didn't read the rest of the article then because it's called you could call this Dungeons and Dragons movie trailer monsters and jokes <laughs> because that's what it's full of. But okay, like, you you've written about um, these things before. You remember when we wrote for an entertainment site and like sometimes you get assigned an article and it was like, how do I? Uh, yeah, so and so like Drake put out a new album. What am I supposed to say about that? They're like, I don't know. Fucking say that Drake put out a new album. I say okay, but you said five hundred words. Like what? What more do I have to say? So you gotta you know pander for a little bit. You, this is definitely maybe they knew what they were doing and maybe this is clickbait because they knew people would be like what the fuck are you talking <laughs> i think that's definitely that is definitely what it is mm, yeah, i guess we can't say definitely react. 
people, I mean, it, whether it was intentional or not, people reacted and they, at least on Twitter, they like quote retweeted it and were like, what the fuck is Polygon saying here? Like, we do not understand you'd even play D&D. That was like kind of the discourse <laughs> around it. But in general, people really liked the trailer. But I think the conversation was more like, what the fuck is this Polygon like title? Yeah, it's just like, you think about like Polygon's audience grew from anything like McElroy's back in the day. It's like, this is video game news and they they've mm -hmm. been trying so hard to get out of that bubble to compete with places like IGN and they do they definitely compete but they've still they still haven't reached such a a broad like this is nerd news type um like general audience awareness so they still kind of pander to the like hey you were probably just reading the review for Callisto protocol do you care about this D&D movie type thing and so they write to that audience often um, because mm -hmm. those clicks are tangential. They're never why people go there. When I go to D and D news, I don't go to Polygon, you know? Um, yeah. and there, and yeah. I, it's that fine line of, well, we want to hit, hit this new audience. So we want to talk to them, but we also want to carry over our other audience. So we got to talk to them more because there's more of them. Um, it's such a difficult thing to do. Honestly, I think it's an impossibility. I think niche news sites, it's kind of like the Patreon model, right? It's like, we can't get a lot of people to come here so we can't get advertisers, but we have 200 people that fucking love us <laughs> and will read all the stuff we do. So it's kind of like, you got to pick your battles. So like, I tried not to jump in and, and shit on them all, as much as Twitter was, uh, which is a lot. <laughs> um, when you sent me uh, the article the other day, I was like, oh, wow, people are not happy about this. I thought it was going to be the trailer. And it was like, no, people are mad at Polygon. I'm like, well were any of these people reading that polygon article before someone started to tweet about it like it wasn't it's like it wasn't for them like when i explain shit to my kids if i were to explain it to you two the same way you'd be like terry's being a dick like he's talking down to us and yeah. like like we don't know it's like yeah but i wrote it for my kid who doesn't know shit about D, &D you know yeah that's true that's definitely true so i mean take it with a grain of salt but i mean the trailer looks great overall but it's weird but the online discourse <laughs> <laughs> it, it is sometimes funny like when like you see like oh what are people talking about with this trailer and it's like not about the trailer at all it's like let's read about this article yeah. that Polygon got put out um there was the, uh, the funniest one i saw i it was um uh it was on so it was like a, just like a sub thing i accidentally clicked on someone's conversation they were just having with a buddy about it basically no one famous at all and so just like the bottom goes what's polygon <laughs> and i about died because <laughs> like everybody else Thank like you. you're at least tangentially aware of polygon but this person was like i don't understand anything that's happening here i just came for the D &D totally trailer. out of the uh listen what did you think of the trailer <laughs> i think it's typical trailer i i don't know what you want from me <laughs> it, it has jesus christ listen i want you to be part of the show <laughs> it has it has commercialism all over it it's typical i feel like the whole um trailers in three makes sense to me yeah uh it gives it a more human behind the scenes approach people like to see what's behind the scenes people like the actors liking what they're doing they want to see how things are made so and they want their opinions on the movie especially like as to build up for a hype of the movie like it, it makes sense it i liked it <laughs> but i i also kind of want to watch the movie yeah that's but... like i don't i don't like watching 14 trailers of things there are some movies where like i don't even want to watch the trailer because i'm just gonna go see it like i don't 
I don't like seeing most horror movie trailers. I hear the buzz. I hear it's being reviewed well or somebody who knows what I like in movies and like I'll just go see that. For a movie like this, I want to watch the first trailer. I want to see the tone of it so I know what I'm kind of expecting to go in for. But like I said, like they're going to spoil all these jokes. People aren't going to laugh as hard as they go in. But most people don't think about movies critically in that way. And they're not upset by like, oh, that joke was funnier in the trailer or whatever. They don't give a shit. Um, They go, hey, that's the guy from Notting Hill. I'm going to go watch Dungeons & Dragons. I mean, also, we're missing the context that it's set in, like, the what happened before, what happened after, that makes sense. So those are just, like, punchlines, yes. But, mm-hmm. I'll, yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> it makes sense that they made it. Am I super excited about the movie? I'm trying to tone down my expectations because I don't want to be disappointed. Uh, but I am going to watch it. So are, are you excited for the movie? I mean, m- minus like trying to like set yourself like the hype levels, you know, trying to 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 you know hit, hit an equilibrium. But are you excited even on a lower level? I'm excited. Like I do want Dungeons and Dragons to get this limelight to succeed in you know the movie industry. I guess I do want there to be more nerds who would be into. D D mm-hmm. because that's just something that i love and i want there to be more people who enjoy the thing i love so like what's there not to like i i don't know about the movie itself i i have very low expectations for the actual <laughs> movie itself i'm excited like i love the mcu tone i love that they're like you know it's like the vox machina of it all like one of the things that i liked when i watched that is this doesn't have to be a drab, dark the entire time fantasy story. Like D and D tables, if you've ever played D and D, right? Like it runs the gamut. It's a Steven Spielberg. Yeah. It's a it's a blockbuster summer movie. You laugh, you cry. Someone does a dick joke. You know, someone falls in love. Like it does everything. And I like that that's what kind of the tone they're going for because that's, in my opinion, one of the strengths of the cookie cutterness of the MCU, right? Like when people talk about oh, all these movies have a similar formula. Yeah, because it works, right? Like it does a little bit of everything i think it was smart for them to go that route with this Mm -hmm. and i think getting that flavor into fantasy is something we haven't seen in a long time um i I can't remember the last time there was a fantasy movie that was coming out that wasn't oh we're gonna be serious almost the entire time except for the one joke we put in the trailer um so i'm really excited for that because if you make a mainstream fantasy movie like this then that means we can get more niche fantasy movies right like lord of the rings wasn't mainstream it was just the only thing we had so people blew it up and it's awesome of course but if we get more mainstream ones that are of a higher quality instead of like uh 47 ronin or whatever the hell that movie was called and uh uh other 15 fantasy movies that failed all the other dungeons and dragons films when you get a mainstream one even if you are that avant-garde guy who's going oh i want this to be the best like fantasy tale ever i want this to be a brandon sanderson novel which isn't my opinion on brandon sanderson but it's lots of other people's um but if you don't do that if you start with what everybody loves and you know we'll get butts and seats that opens up the swath you know starting Mm -hmm. with iron man making that the general audience movie means we can get shit like guardians of the galaxy and ant-man eventually and infinity war and endgame and you can do that for dungeons and dragons 
by hitting this. No, nah, there's like 45,000 jokes in this movie, okay? We got the wisecracking bard and the, the really weird rogue con man guy. And oh yeah, sure, there's druids and a knight and there's a paladin and there's magic and darkness. But also, like, wasn't that funny when she cut the dude's head off with the axe and he was <laughs> a chicken? Like, also, it isn't it just really funny to see Hugh Grant in any fantasy movie? Because every time you see him talking or promoting the movie, <laughs> he clearly has no idea where he is or what Dungeons and Dragons is. And it's just the fucking funniest thing. I've ever seen. It makes me <laughs> want to see the movie. <laughs> Hugh Grant is kind of one of those like lost like uh, '90s stars. Like there was a moment where like everybody knew Hugh Grant, even as a child. And now, if you were to show a kid Hugh Grant, they'd be like, "That's like a caricature of a British person. That's not funny. Like you shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's not a real person." And like, and you're like, "No, that's Hugh Grant." <laughs> and they're like, "No, actually, hello." Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> in a funeral. Uh, Notting Hill was always my thing. I, I, well, I should not have seen that movie as a child, and like I owned it. No, and I'm like, why? Oh. Why is this a thing that I want? It's like, uh, do you ever see like the um, the First Wives? club you ever see that film no diane keaton goldie hahn doesn't Never really matter uh not a great film but like a very it's like a dull new york aristocrat movie about these first wives of these men who cheated on them and married younger women and like that was my favorite movie as a five-year-old i'm like <laughs> that's weird <laughs> it's a weird thing that they let me watch in the 90s but uh the 90s was a strange place you know uh mm -hmm. Moving on from D&D, &D, the movie, and the 90s, I suppose. We'll probably come back there. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's jump into our Village Crier segment. Which do we want to talk about first? The Tabletop Awards 2022 and the winners? Or do we want to talk about 1D&D? &D? The awards, because 1D&D, &D, I'm sure we'll all have opinions on. I have no sure. opinions. I don't know stuff about D&D. Mm-hmm. You know, you sure. sent me on a spiral when you messaged me. You accidentally dropped the wrong uh, code name because that's how nerdy we are. Uh, the wrong beta test name. You you dropped D and D next because we you know you just watched forty five videos. It was a fair mistake. I did. But, <laughs> I watched all four videos. But I like that's how nerdy we are. Is that I was like, oh, I remember D and D next. And I went back to like 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 I heard the choppers from Vietnam go over my head as I'm playtesting five <laughs> e before it was a thing um like i i had to accept that i've been playing this game for this long uh you mm -hmm. know almost 15 years and that's fucking strange uh i, I it's probably strange. weirder for people that have been playing it for like 40 years but uh <laughs> i can't wait till we get to retire and we're in our 60s and we're just fucking playing D, &D all day it's gonna be that's great. really funny that you think we'll be able to retire i'm gonna be able to retire because i'm a white dude i i'm sure i will call mm. you from whatever um door greeter job that you have but uh yeah call me from florida <laughs> I, I will never go to, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what hypothetical joke that we we're doing which you know that that's not the boat i am in but i will definitely not move to florida in any uh shape yeah. of, shape or form I'm, i i want to go to disney and i'm so afraid of just florida period that i won't even go there you should be uh also Terrifying. you know money uh tabletop awards 2022 let's get into it Lissa, who won what? Do you know? Quick. Banana Chan. <laughs> oh, you got one. Like, <laughs> and I think uh, uh, Coyote and Crow won best um, 
No, you were not supposed to know stuff. You ruined the whole bit. You're nailing Listen, it. I, I run our Twitter. I see things. Ah! Oh, man. All right. Tabletop Awards 2022 Best Board Game went to Flamecraft. Designer Manny Vega, artist Sandara Tang, publisher Cardboard Alchemy and Lucky Duck Games. Have any of you even heard of Flamecraft? No, no, but it, that, it's a fucking cool name. It's a dope name, right? That's literally what I said. It's kind of like every time we're like, guys, we don't know anything about this game, but you see the cover? Fuck, does it look cool? You see the art? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, can they run? Um, Flamecraft. Let's look. Uh, 7 out of 7 on Board Game Geek. Uh, no, 7.7. I'm sorry, out of 10. Uh, 1 to 5 players. Little dragons. Little cute dragons. In the yeah. Magical Realm Village. Oh. I gotta buy Flamecraft now. I don't know anything about <laughs> it, but I want it. Community um, about ten and up. Okay, okay. I'll put it on the shelf. Wait for the kids to get a little bit older. Um, moving on to the news that you actually care about, but I was just excited about little little baby dragons. Because um, who isn't excited about little baby dragons? For the best role playing game, as Lissa fucking you know kicked over all my toys and went home. Coyote and Crow Run is <laughs> just very exciting. But yeah, uh, designer Connor Alexander, William McKay, uh, Yody Old Bear, Derek Pounds, Nico Albert, Rihanna Elliott, Diogo Naguera, William Thompson, and I apologize if I pronounce any of those incorrectly. Um, please uh, comment and tell me how to correct them if you want to. If you're like, no, I know, and I want you to feel bad, go please put it down there. I will, and I will correct it. Um, Artists Tate Allen, Kyle Charles, Phil Cohen. Uh, okay, somebody else got has to try this one because I got nothing other than Esquivel. What's that first name? Bold of you to assume. Sadie <laughs> Karanis. Uh, Sadie Karanis. Um, Al Harris, Amelie Hutt, Mackenzie Neal, Heather Snell, Jesse Thompson, Wolf Tamayakedu, uh, Charles Udding, Jeffrey. Varege and oh no there's two more Cameron White Matthew Willetto Lawrence Willie and Nala J. Wu uh that is the team for Coyote and Crow for a designer and artist uh obviously comes from Coyote and Crow LLC that's the last one that I'm reading all the names for because uh <laughs> it, it was a lot and we got to get through more but that is so awesome we called it too I want to say right yeah, we did uh what do we think about Coyote and Crow winning guys well deserved yeah absolutely well deserved i think that yeah they're killing they get all they get all the things all the flowers all the, awards. All the flowers all the for coyote and crow um super exciting that they won i hope that means more eyes on it because as much as like it is blowing up a little bit it's not blown up to the level that it should and that it could so it's exciting to see them win this yeah. i don't know how many eyes are on this award show specifically though yeah, I feel like, like I said when we talked about it first time, um, about this new award show coming up anyway, I feel like whatever gives and highlights the work of TTRPGs, and specifically because there's a lot of indie TTRPGs, I think the better we are for it, because it's publicity, it's, you know, notoriety, it's getting their name out there, and it's getting their product out there, and it's, you know... 
of the appreciation for all the work that they do, which they, you know, not a whole lot of people follow TTRPGs, like, in the context of, you know, the global population. And whatever, you know, eyes and notoriety they can get there, and especially for somebody who's doing, you know, like, work that's um, be people of color, you know, groups of minorities are making work. It's, you know, it's original stuff. And I think that's just amazing and we should support all of those people and the work that they put in there. Yeah, it's it's an awesome win. It's a well-deserved win. And yeah. like you said, just like more eyes on projects like this is it's never going to be a bad thing. Um, yeah. The one thing that I do worry about a little bit is that uh, not everyone knew about this award show. I saw a couple people like, oh, I can't wait for it when we uh, were putting up the show for this week. And I was like, no, it already happened because we were, we were, we were, we're a week behind. You know what I mean? Well, they're like, oh, I didn't even know. What's Dicebreaker? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, um, like, we know about Dicebreaker and we know about a lot of these award shows, but um this being the first year obviously it's going to be something that's a little bit smaller anyways but it's just exciting yeah. to see it grow a little bit um moving on to the next one best ongoing card game flesh and blood called it uh <laughs> uh just gotta you know i gotta get all of my digs in there and the designer of the year banana chan i, I don't know never heard of him uh <laughs> uh <laughs> listen you know who banana chan is um i'm just her biggest fan um, <laughs> we only messenger our messenger mention her every episode just every episode you know can you give uh the the people listening at home a background on banana chan no i cannot do it you coward <laughs> uh she worked on um she's worked on like all of the dtrpgs um i'm trying to think of one that she hasn't worked on uh, she designed <laughs> Jiangxi, uh, what's it, Jiangxi, I want to say Pure Blood, but that was not correct, because that one was the one that we just... Banana Chan is a game designer and writer from Canada slash Hong Kong. She is the owner and co-founder of a small box publishing company, Game & Curry. She currently lives in New York, where she writes games on the subway and eats lasagna. This comes from uh, Board Game Geek. I just looked up her uh, her little designer page there. Uh, she's been a designer for a dozen uh, or so games. Uh, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion is the biggest one for the board game scene. Um, oh, Tree Blood in the Banquet Hall. Yes, there you go. That's the one. Um, but that's that's really like just like scratching the surface. Um, host slash uh, I don't know guest on so many different uh, uh, actual plays. Um, I. I don't know where to start except for completely deserving of this award and uh, just super duper impressive. All the things like, again, like there's so many games that we were like, huh, which games hasn't she worked on? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> every time we go through the list of people who've worked on it, I pinpoint her <laughs> name and it's some, always somewhere in there. And I'm just like, yes, because I know her from Asians Represent because she was on there. Um, big fan exactly uh also go listen to those episodes if you if you haven't if you've never listened to it but if you like her work go listen to those um we'll link uh to her um designer page here and you can go support all of those games or check them out you don't uh, obviously she's getting her flowers already but if you would like to know 
um, the other stuff that they've worked on. You can check that out there. Publisher of the Year, called it again, Free League Publishing, which is awesome. Go buy Merc Borg and Cyborg from them. And there's lots of other stuff on their, on their website, but Free League Publishing is usually my go-to if I can. Um, Rising Star Designer, Lottie and Jack Hazel. Um, we covered them a little bit last week because um, it was one of the only other names that we knew. Um, they created uh, Dog Park, which is a board game, if you don't mm. know. <laughs> uh, Rising Star Publisher, Coyote and Crow uh, won that one as well. People's Choice, Beam Saber. I've played Beam Saber. It's a lot of fun if you want like an easy mech um, RPG. Uh, there's there's other ones that do many different things, but Beam Saber is probably the simplest that you can easily like jump in and give a shout out uh, to. It was also free in like a million of those bum- bundles that we promoted this year, so you probably Ooh. own Beam Saber if you purchased any of those. Uh, definitely and worth checking out. <laughs> like that, that's how it goes, right? You buy a bunch of those yeah. like humble bundles and shit, and you go huh, I want to try something new, and before I go to PlayStation Plus or wherever to buy another game, before I load up Steam, I go, hey, I bought like a thousand games throughout the pandemic maybe check there maybe i already own the thing i'm gonna go buy right now um but beam saber is designed by austin ramsey go check it out i think you can get it if you don't already own it like i said in one of those things for like 30 bucks you can get the entire thing um it's very anime inspired lots of cool mech stuff easy to pick up easy to master i would say i don't think it's so deep that you're like oh this is so daunting um but definitely check it out if you're interested in mech combat i used it to run um a couple different games in my bespoke uh like i call it metal realm but my uh big uh mech uh opus so check it out uh best played with four to five players by the way too um if you have like a two-player group pick a different game um and if you have nine players it takes a long time in combat so don't do it anyways sorry i got bogged down there um i saw the, the adhd light at the end of the tunnel um moving on to our next segment uh one D news from our one D news correspondent charday what did you see in the trenches of one D this man. weekend there's a lot they released four different videos and i watched all of them i didn't watch any of them took... this time i am so sorry <laughs> it's okay i will i will fill you in I will say a disclaimer, I haven't had time to read through the actual playtest yet, so all the information I'm getting is from the videos. Just from the video? Okay. It's just from the videos. They did a really good overview, and I hope that it's, I mean, I. it's mostly good information. There's a couple stuff I'm a bit iffy on, but, like, I haven't compared it to the actual playtest yet, because I just haven't had time. Sorry, guys. Yeah, last time I know we were a little bit more in-depth. We had the actual playtest. We had watched all the videos um i i do have the actual play test up uh it's got the expert classes the cleric and revised mm-hmm. species and then the character origin stuff i sent it to my buddy mm-hmm. who's obsessed with D. he said what's this so it's not <laughs> circulating necessarily to all of the people that normally um check these out which is interesting but it did come out on what like a saturday i yeah i don't know it came out within the last week i think it came out around the weekend so maybe that's why um yeah. and the only reason that i knew the new one D was even happening is because uh my youtube history is full of watching the one D videos <laughs> as soon as the new one came out it popped into my recommended i'm like oh the new one D is happening and then the first video they published was just talking about um their survey of the first unearthed arcana that they did 
and an overview of like the future of one D&D. And that came out, I think, a day before the playtest was released. Um, and they talked about how many people had submitted uh, responses for the first playtest. And it was uh, 39,000 people. Oh, yeah. Was which one is a, a lot. It's a lot. And um, they specifically said that a number like that means the results are very persuasive. So if you have not submitted any feedback for one D&D, like unfortunately I have because I kept forgetting. I put yours in there. Don't worry. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Do you put all of my stuff about bards? Yeah. <laughs> I disagreed oh, with you. it, but like, I put like, this is like, because <laughs> the way that they do it, like, they know that it's not just one person testing it. Like, it kind of goes from like a group It's a whole group. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because I just genuinely kept forgetting um, because I'm awful with stuff like this. And just like, they keep it open for like a window of time. And I just, I'm like, oh, okay, I could do it tomorrow. Oh, okay, I could do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow <laughs> turns into like three weeks. So if, you haven't started submitting feedback and you want to the people at one D who are doing this are saying hey your shit matters so keep submitting and i think it's this um, one specifically is open till december 21st so you still have time oh awesome yeah so right before christmas um so the overall feedback they said for the first on earth arcana was very high um a lot of it's which scored um like 70 80 percent or higher which is huge and they even like broke it down into like here's what we look at these percentages for like if you score a 70 percent or higher on a play test material like in positive they know the idea is good but could use tweaking 80 percent the community wants exactly that and then there are some stuff that fell in the 60 percent range which they call somewhat salvageable but they're going to re reconsider some aspects of it um and then below 60 percent, which i don't think anything in the playtest playtest actually did is like a good chance it's not going to do anything at 50 percent, 40 percent bye <laughs> it's gone <laughs> they're gonna get they're gonna get rid of it which that's that's the kind of stuff that's fascinating to me i like hearing about the stats and that stuff so i wrote that down when i was listening to the to the video but nothing was 50 percent or below everything they're keeping and tweaking basically um, and the most popular thing that they uh, revealed was the first level feat. Everybody fucking loved that. And I agree. I thought that was also a great idea. I think we all agree that was a cool idea. Yeah. At first level, your character yeah, gets a did. feat. Yeah. So that was 87% of people. And then they went into three things that dipped into the 60% range. So this is the stuff that's salvageable, but they are going to reconsider some aspects of it. Um, the one was that I was kind of surprised about, but I guess maybe not because I guess it's maybe in a popular opinion, but I thought it was more popular because it's popular at tables I play at NDM. Uh, the D20 auto success and failure scored around 60%. Yeah. It's, I remember the discourse at first and again, uh, it lesson on echo chambers, right? Like who we follow on Twitter and shit. But right. when that came out, our whole conversation was, I think we're more negative on it than anybody I've seen online. And then they're just like, nah, everyone hated this shit. I was, I was really surprised by that. Yeah, I was really surprised because while there are some instances in the games that I DM personally where I think, oh, I like a, a crit fail doesn't mean that you like break a bone. Like it's sure. not like anything awful. But Contact, also a nat man. 20 sometimes means when you are trying to do something literally impossible, even like at that specific moment. There's no hidden door behind this goddamn wall. 
I'm sorry you rolled an ad 20 on perception. Adora's not going to appear. I'm you really, really sorry about that. You can see pristinely. You can see the molecules in the wall. There's nothing behind it. So I can... It. I can definitely see them keeping aspects of it, but maybe putting caveats for specific things. But ultimately, maybe they're going to... I could see them making it like an optional rule and saying, hey, this is up to the DM, mm -hmm. basically, which would make sense. And then the other two things that dropped below 60% were two races. So the first one was the Ardling, which was the new race, and that was below 60% or in the 60% range. And the basic feedback they got in the Ardling was that it was trying to do too many things. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So they got feedback that um, they didn't, players who submitted feedback, a majority of them didn't like that it was trying to be like an, a cousin to the ASMR or like as uh, tied to the divine as the ASMR, um, but also being a beast person. They wanted them to lean more one way or the other and in one of the um aspects of the new unearthed arcana they did do that so they leaned into the beast <laughs> the bestial side of the ardling in the new play test and that is now available for people to dip their toes into and then the other race that didn't um that dropped into the 60s was the dragonborn which was a little surprising <laughs> to me. What? I had no idea, but apparently when I looked into it, it made sense as to why that happened. And um, that was for the changes so, specifically to Dragonborn, not like, we got to get rid of this yeah. out of the game. Yeah, no. no it's not, <laughs> yeah, I, it was I heard Lissa going, what? They're getting rid of Dragonborn. I'm like, no, 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 no. They made changes <laughs> I, to I Dragonborn. I thought they were getting rid of it, or like people no. didn't like it enough, so they were like, eh, No, it's still it. one I'm of like, the most popular, what? like, playable no, classes in the whole game. And I, think races, I, mean. I think that's... I think that's why they um, got such negative feedback because people love Dragonborns and they want to see the best version of Dragonborns. And yeah. I think that's their opinion, like one D&D's opinion on it as well. What were the changes that they were proposing? Do you remember? Um, Honestly, it's been a while, so I don't know. But I do have the feedback that people gave on the stuff that they didn't like. Okay, yeah. So the Dragonborn breath weapon. That's what they, was the breath people, weapon. Yeah, the breath weapon people... Um, people essentially the consensus was people like Dragonborn and Fizzbins, which is a fifth edition supplement, and they were confused as to why they got rid of a lot of cool stuff that they did in Fizzbins and really like um mainstreamed or mainline Dragonborn when there were a lot of cool ideas in Fizzbins. And then people were also really confused as to like, well, how do these like kind of tone down Dragonborn make sense alongside these really like specific powerful dragonborn in this other edition and they addressed some of the concerns in that and they basically said both dragonborn can exist at the same time just some come from different kinds of backgrounds than others yeah i like that yeah. idea uh like i like the i i'm always been a fan like one of the reasons why i like forgotten realms it's a hodgepodge you know universe right like you mm -hmm. you throw everything at the wall like yeah some dragonborn are literally like ancestors of dragons you know like they, they came down that same lineage some it's like werewolves right like some people are cursed sometimes it's a it's a blood disease sometimes it's this sometimes it's that like i let like throw it all in there fuck it like there could be different kinds of dragonborn and people were mad yeah. <laughs> yeah like i really i love the freedom of choice as well and so i think they're doing they're trying to meet the best of both worlds they're mm -hmm. trying to take people like from fizzbins but they're also trying to be like hey maybe some people don't like the stuff from fizzbins and this in the player's handbook is going to try to do that and just be a little bit different but they can coexist at the same time you don't need to sacrifice the stuff you really like about the fizzbin dragonborns 
script in order to play a new one D&D Dragonborn. Yeah, it's um, that rules is written, people. Like, they get really mad. They're like, well, it's not what it says. And they're like, yeah, but they also wrote before that. They're like, you can just skip this if you don't like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anytime in D&D, literally says in every player's handbook since Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, if you don't like something, you don't have to do it. Uh, so people don't, don't read that. worry guys listen not everybody reads the dmg like like when you remember our, our <laughs> argument true. about all, all this stuff it's like that like no one no one gives a shit like <laughs> that's fine just play Nobody your game <laughs> just play a game oh. um last thing for the stats yeah everything else scored in the 70 80 percent range people really liked the new additions to all the races so people really liked the additions to new humans at 83 percent the 80 percent to 81 percent range was dwarf orc tiefling and elf and 78%, which is still pretty high, is Gnome and Halfling. So they are looking to rework some things, but the overall concepts, they're like, okay, you guys like them, we're going to keep working on them. I don't remember any of the changes for Gnomes or Halflings. That's interesting. Me neither. Yeah. I remember the humans. Yeah, the human. Uh, we had a whole conversation about the humans and elves, but I don't remember us even discussing the, the Gnome and Halflings. <laughs> I'll have to look back at my notes because uh, they asked that question, but I don't I don't remember what I put. <laughs> Probably was like, nah, it's fine. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I play my Halflings like a hobbit anyways, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so a um, couple more things uh, about the first video, and then we'll get into the more specific videos. This is the longest video, by the way. This was like a 37-minute video, so this had – it was more of a broad, broad overview going over the feedback and going over, like, what you can expect in the new Unearthed Arcana and stuff to expect just in the coming months and year and a half. Um so what's ahead is they're going to look into new weapon options. So for warrior groups, they're going to have new ways to use weapons. I don't know what that means, but I'm excited. It means right now it's really dumb not to use just a specific type of sword or whatever. Like there's not a big mechanical difference in 5th edition for most weapons. Mm -hmm. uh, in the, honestly, sometimes it's not even just that there's not a big difference. There's like there's no reason to use another reason. The example I always gave is like, say you wanted to build Daredevil in fifth edition daredevil's weapons are two batons that go together to make a staff it's really neat mm -hmm. right but if you have mm -hmm. a staff that deals a d8 why would you ever switch to the batons there's no mechanical advantage yeah to ever do it just use your staff it's cooler whereas if you go over to paizo pathfinder 2e there's many mechanical advantages to both um and right now in fifth edition there's not for most things like nah i'd use the thing that hits the most damage end of sentence yeah yeah so yeah you have to and then sometimes yeah it's not even a mechanical thing you're looking at it's just like what's going to look cooler and what fix the aesthetic of my character which i can appreciate i love doing character aesthetics in any sort of environment 100 they just don't saying. feel different is they is do part not of the... yeah so I think they're going to change some of that. We don't care. We're, we're such a like a uh, open like storytelling game. I don't, we might not yeah. even notice that they feel different. But. I was going to say I think we. I mean, I make a point to always try to describe during combat like what people's weapons are doing, where they're hitting, how mm -hmm. the creature is reacting, and mm -hmm. then also I ask my players, "Hey, how do you hit this person? If they do a, like if they are the ones who do the killing blow, I ask them how do they want to hurt me, and then they describe the way that they want to hurt me with their <laughs> weapon, but also." Sometimes they get a little bit psychological with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we already kind of do stuff like that, but I'm excited to see it in the base 
game and like adding a bit of flavor especially for the rules as written people i'm sure they're super that's what i was gonna say like the wargaming people like you think like our buddy john just an example at our table john will often, love it. yeah john will be like yeah it's really cool because now it gives a plus two which really emulates that you're wearing two weapons which by, not exact not at all how he sounds but uh, <laughs> I was, did you just do like a 80s nerd Actually, voice for john I'm gonna tell him and <laughs> don't. He's like seven feet tall. He'll just pick me up and throw me. Uh... Um, any, anyway, more of what's ahead. So the other thing is they're gonna be doing something called the Bastion system that isn't in the new one or Dracana. That's something to look forward to. Um, rules for managing a home base that are more fleshed out. I'm so excited than in fifth edition, and that's super exciting because. I've always wanted to give my, I mean, really a home base and like a, a, a place for your players to like go and this is where they every group do all their planning it. and every group has it in some capacity. So it'd be really cool to like have rules on how to like maintain it or like different ideas. So that's going to be really cool. Um, they revealed that they're in the play test. They are going to be a total of 48 subclasses that we're going to get to look at. Um, around four for each class that they're going to be covering, so that's Which is exciting. so cool because, like, if you if you if you're going to streamline your classes and go, okay, so like like before, one of the bigger issues is right is like, well, there's like 15 different kinds of rogue, none of them feel the same, but they all have yeah. the same thing. Um, so if you're going to streamline like the base level classes, you got to have a million subclasses. So it's cool that they're actually mm -hmm. going to put the work in and. It'll also make it easier for other players, right? Like, when you get a new player that comes in and they go, well, what should I be? And you go, well, I don't know. Do you want to be a rogue? Sure. They get that question down. Then you can kind of steer them towards which flavor of rogue they want to be. It's just, yeah. it's, it's very new player friendly. Very, yeah. And that's actually one of the changes they made to the cleric that I'll talk about in a little bit. They also did something like that to make it more accessible to new players, which I thought was really good. Um... Then other things that they're going to cover is something I'm personally very excited about because I hate making encounters because I don't know how to balance them properly ever. It's either too easy or I almost kill the party. Lisa can attest to this. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm working on it. Um, they are looking at releasing new encounter building rules to make it easier to prep and giving monster customization options in the actual book and just overall ease of access for dms and i'm like thank you it's so cool because that's probably like ass. that's been one of the biggest like well-rounded issues in fifth edition yeah. that like everyone says like nah cr doesn't work in fifth edition it doesn't it a hundred i've tried it customizing your monsters is a lot of work like you can give them legendary yeah. actions but there's no like rules for that it's like you just kind of copy yeah. other legendary actions or you make up your own exactly like, it looks so. like they they know this and yeah. they are going to take into consideration i'm really excited to see when that does come out that's one of the things i'll be looking at and 100 percent using in my game yeah we're, we're gonna buy <laughs> the next monster that. manual for sure we weren't going to before right it wasn't but gonna, we gonna buy all the am. books you make you make my prep time less you make encounter <laughs> building better absolutely i'll buy whatever that is guys guys and now we um, run a company again that Charday forgets that we own the company and we can it's an expense it's an expense. We they, they we bought the the D and D books for our different tables, at, so we can come back and talk about it on the mic. I can even yeah, write it totally. as a text That's right a... off. Exactly. I I love I love it. 
Um, okay, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. They did some disclaimers. Um, don't worry if you see something in the Unearthed Arcana that um, is in 5th edition or is in another Unearthed Arcana. Uh, people were worried that use object um, as an action wasn't in Unearthed Arcana, and they were also worried that Eldridge Blast wasn't on the spell list. It does not mean they are gone. It just means <laughs> not part they of the are test. going to appear elsewhere don't worry it's okay <laughs> guys you're gonna have your eldritch blast it's, i was also worried about that not gonna lie so, were you yeah. really like we talked about this what? like it's like they can't that's, i play not... a warlock they don't get any spell slots terry <laughs> but the the idea with like the playtest is like one of the reasons why you don't see stuff on there it's not like oh we're gonna get rid of it it's listen yeah, we're no, definitely not. not getting rid of this so we don't even yeah. need to put it in the playtest yes <laughs> um they also said so the last two things and we'll talk about the cleric and then the very brief changes they made with um ardling and dragonborn those are a lot shorter so um people asked if the class spell lists are going away forever if it's just going to be you know um uh priest spells and mage spells or like the different types of magic spells that we talked about Pri oh that's what it is primal and primal um, divine arcane divine and arcane and people were wondering if class spells were going to go away forever um they haven't completely written it out yet but they're focusing now on the big list I love and that. we saw in expert classes how bard and ranger interact with those lists but there are exceptions um, they had feedback that they might need their own lists to clearly state what they have access to. So that might happen down the line. It's all very early. So I wrote in my notes, like, it seems a bit confusing and convoluted, but I'm going to give it a chance. <laughs> I don't, it's not going to be that extreme. Like, it seems weird, but what, what it's going to be is like, if you have a ranger who has spellcasting abilities, you can pull everything from the primal list, except this spell, this spell, except, and this spell. Yeah, exactly. And they have access to this one arcane spell because it fits for yeah. rangers. Like, it's not going to be that crazy, but people see it, they're like, oh God, it's so different. As I think people just need it, it's a you it's a UI thing. Yeah, you gotta like, just see make it. it easier. Yeah, like get a good table in there. Um, hire Lissa to get the do get the layout done. Don't do whatever person fucking did the tables for Renegade Studios and their books. Like that's one like we've <laughs> talked about how bad those books are. I've been playing Power Rangers all weekend with my kid, but like the like specifically like I would have paid double the price for that book if the tables worked well. Like they split the same table across like two different pages. It's uh, listen. I don't even know it. Let's talk about something else. Let's move on. I'm just getting mad again. I'm uh, I'm just I'm just offering Lissa services to wizards for her to do the layout because she will do it very well. As long as they're billable hours, don't just volunteer. I well, yeah, mean, paid. obviously paid. I I do not work for free. Yeah, obviously, never work for free. Yeah, I had to I had to give you a piece of my company to get you to work for me. So. <laughs> and then you're like i'm not working for you i'm working with and, and you even, and even so you're like you do do whatever you want to i don't want to tell you what to do uh, so <laughs> you, just, you just go go and be be you because um, you're always like yeah. just tell me what to do terry i tell you what to do you go don't tell me what to do terry then you kick me <laughs> All right, that is all I have for the first <laughs> video. The over the overarching Unearthed Arcana stats and what to expect. They released three other videos. I thought it was just the one, but no, there's three other videos. So um, it's 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 a lot, but it's also not a lot. It's not as big as the other Unearthed Arcanas. Um, so the first big thing that they did is they have now introduced the uh, one D and D version of clerics. 
And one of the big things that they have changed is what I alluded to earlier. Their level progression is altered. They no longer get their subclass at first level. They have to wait like everybody else and have to wait till level three to get it. And this was specifically, like Terry, you were saying, to make it easier for first-time players mm -hmm. and maybe players who have never played a cleric before. So they're not overwhelmed with choice at the offset. And they have a couple of levels to get familiar with the class and then pick what domain they want later. And I thought that was a great change. Yeah, how many times have you been playing confused. with one and they're like, oh, I don't know if I like the one that I picked for cleric. <laughs> I've never had a full-blown cleric in my campaign oh, until okay. this campaign that I'm running now. And she seems fine, but I don't know. I was always very confused as to why Claire's got their domains at level one. I'm like, wait, it's not level three? And she was like, no, it's level one. I have to pick my domain out of all these like 12 billion options because we have access to all the books. And I'm like, oh, God, that sounds like a lot it's and daunting people, especially if you've never played a cleric before it, it's totally daunting and thankfully the people at wizards were like yeah we understand it's daunting we're changing it for you <laughs> which is very nice <laughs> um let's see they changed a couple of other things so uh they changed a little bit about di channel divinity they beefed it up with a new thing called divine spark where you channel raw power from the outer planes to harm or heal someone, and this is independent of a spell slot, so you don't have to prep healing or a damage spell. You could really use it for either however you want to play a cleric, but you always have it prepped. And I'm like, see, that's what I like. I didn't like the bard had that, but I like that the cleric has that. Doesn't so that, doesn't that paint it. them into a corner, though? Lissa, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's them <laughs> they literally, it doesn't even know. It doesn't, though, because it says harm or heal, but Bards just had heal. So I couldn't Bards harm, you know? <laughs> anyway, second level. <laughs> they um, beef up the cleric um, base class. So instead of, like, a lot of the stuff that clerics get because you picked your stuff at first level, it's all in the subclasses. So because they moved that, they moved a couple of, like, the new proficiencies that you would get or um, the new trainings or the magic you would get. They moved that to second level before you multi-class. And now they have this thing where you could basically select a job as a cleric in your religious order. That's like, really hey, cool. I'm, like, this level of priest or I'm this level of whatever. Or as a solo religious person, maybe you're the only person who worships your god, or maybe you are just off the beaten path of whatever church you're affiliated with, order you're affiliated with. And they have three ones that they highlighted called Protector, which gives you training with heavy armor and martial weapons, Scholar, which gives you extra skill proficiencies, and Thaumaturge, which gives you more magic. And I thought these kind of reminded me of like almost like fighting styles in a way. Yeah, 100%. That the it's like, and fighters get. You see like the Catholic priests in a movie, or it's like, oh, he studied astronomy, right? Because that's what they do. Yeah. Like they pick a discipline. They go to normal, you know, you go to seminary school, but you also get a normal degree as well. And, like, that's a really cool thing to make clerics feel a little bit different. Like you said, like, monks and fighting style or rangers, too, right? But uh, Rangers it, and fighters and monks, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of neat to give them something a little bit more flavor there because, I'm not going to lie, clerics are a little bit boring. That's partly why you got subclass so early is because so they're not interesting. <laughs> I like clerics a lot. I, I do, too. They don't start there is the thing. 
yeah, they're they're interesting ways to play clerics, but they are so streamlined into one direction a lot more than a lot of other classes are. I would say so, they're painted into a corner is probably the term I would use. They are painted into a corner a bit, yeah. <laughs> but if you work on it and you talk to your DM, maybe you could do something about that. But it looks like they're moving away from that, unlike bards who they're painting into a corner. Anyway. You guys both know I. You guys both know I'm right. You're just pissing are me we, off. Super are we? Are we talking about clerics or are we talking about bards? Uh, well, I'm always talking about bards. We That's never know about. that you're correct. We know that you think you're correct. If that makes you feel better, I'm always right. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've never I made a mistake ever in my life. As a woman, and I'm always inclined to believe you, Shar. <laughs> but as Charday, I listen. I have some skepticism mm. here. You shouldn't because I'm As always right. Should. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't go into specific. They do have the light domain, but you guys can read the playtest if you want. I won't go through everything that they have, mostly because they didn't talk about everything in the videos. And um, we still have one more thing to talk about. <laughs> so, so I don't want to take up too much time. They did, I, I will say, they did um, clarify the original intent of one of the cleric healing abilities and saying that it no longer works on Goodberry, which was always a question that people had, <laughs> which I don't know who had questions about if something, um, I think it's called the Disciple of Life in the Light Domain. Uh, people always had questions on whether or not it works with Goodberry, but no, now it doesn't anymore. I'm sorry, you guys. I don't know what that means, but I'm sorry. That they, they, they're not letting you stack the ability. Yeah, I think they, they clarified some wording is what they sounded like. So instead, it was supposed to be like it um, whenever you cast healing and people didn't take that to mean a healing spell, mm -hmm. like the traditional healing spells, they meant any healing, which Goodberry is a druid spell. That you can eat and heal one hit point for every good berry that you eat. Bingo. So people, yeah. So people um, use that spell on good berry, which I thought. That's I thought that was cool synergy me, that they but... promoted, but I, I guess I'm again. The rules is written. People will tell me why it's broken. That's, so that's hacking hmm. the system. Um, and <laughs> how dare you hack the system to have more yeah. fun? <laughs> you know? How dare you be creative with this? Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't do that here. At ninth level, you can actually choose a second job for the ones I talked about earlier. So you can have up to two jobs. You can't have all three, but you can have at least two. Um, and then your subclass features. Um, Divine Intervention now is a little bit different. Instead of it um, being, I believe, I don't remember how long it is. When you cast Divine Intervention, you can't cast it again, I think, for like a week. Or something like that, like a, a pretty uh, long period of time in game. But now, after you use divine intervention, you can roll a dice to determine what the waiting period is. That's cool. So More like a breath weapon. Pods. Yeah, like a breath weapon. Except instead of like rounds, it's like how many days until you can ask your god to just like punch something from heaven. You know, it's always been a difficult one for me at my table because I let anyone pray. Like, if, listen, if gods are real. And they can hear your prayers. Yeah. Why can't anyone just ask for help? And they're like, well, because the clerics have a spell and you make him less powerful. I'm like, I don't know. Don't play cleric then. Nobody's a cleric in this. Nobody's <laughs> a cleric in the party, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's basically it. They Very similar to the other classes. Um, Their old 19th level feature, 20th level feature is now level 19, and they get an epic boon at 20, which, again, I really like that change that they're making. I think that's super cool. I've always wanted to use epic boons, but I'm too chicken in my game to let my players go up super high level yet um, because I'm chicken. 
I want you to remember that every time we start a new campaign and you go, Terry, can I start at level 12? And I go, no, we're going to start at level I've 1. Never, They're new characters. I've never asked that. I asked if we could start at level 3. That's so still extreme, okay? It's not extreme. I just want a subclass. <laughs> you keep it level 3 for a year. I just want a subclass. <laughs> Everybody else starts at level 1. You get to start at level 3, but they're going to be level 9 before you're level 4. No. I don't like that. Listen, this is what it is. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Okay, so two more. So, uh, da -da. Uh, I won't go into much detail because, again, we have one more thing to talk about. But the Ardling, Dragonborn, and Goliath have new options, and they have a whole video about it. This is about the point in the video where I noticed that they started using species instead of races. Oh, okay. They literally are saying species. So I think the change has been in the woodworks for a while because it was clear these were filmed a while ago. Yeah. Um, which I it looked like they were filmed at the same time as the last one, which I know was not true. And obviously no, they, they used to use similar sets. But like I was like, this is yeah. like, listen, they got the Hasbro money. They're using it. They got it. Um, Ardling, I won't really go too much into. They're leaning more into the beast abilities again instead of the divine abilities because of the feedback that they got. Dragonborns, um, all about the breath weapon. And they have some changes regarding that. And they also have a new fifth level ability where players handbook Dragonborn can fly now, which is very interesting. <laughs> That's a fourth edition thing. I'm glad they're bringing it back because yeah. uh, giving them back the possibility for wings. Just also for the record, I've been watching the videos while you've been talking, <laughs> just like skimming God through it. So. No, I just like, <laughs> like, uh, like we were mentioning, I'm like, I don't know, I'll just kind of skim through and go, but like that, I just got to that part. Um, <laughs> but, like I was like, oh, that's neat. That's neat. I'm glad they're doing that. It's good. No, it's cool, and I like the option of having more um, flying characters because right now I think it's just ASMR and the bird one. Kenku. The bird one. No, Aircarcra. Oh, Aircarcra. The other one. The other bird. The other one, not a Kenku. I don't know if I, I don't know if Kenku have a flying. Kenku team. don't. They don't have wings. That's like I realized it as soon as you said Aircarcra. Oh. Like, oh, yeah, the other one. Yeah. Um, okay, so Goliath. Last thing in the little races video is the I racist think really video. Cool. The races video. Oh. Because I'm still trying to learn that they're not using races anymore, but it's really hard to unlearn language, guys. Um, so with the Goliath, I think they're doing a really cool thing where they're moving away. It doesn't just have to be a stone giant Goliath, because Goliaths are um, descendants of giants. And the default Goliath, and really the only Goliath that you could play is a stone giant Goliath, but now they want to cover more types of giants. So fire giants, cloud giants, and they're going to make all those options which i thought was really super cool and they should have done that a lot sooner but I'm i think they did do that, that in now. earlier editions right like just like same thing with like genasi um mm -hmm. i think it may be in fourth edition you could play a couple different kinds so that's cool that you have it's very lives. cool and then they also get a fifth level ability where they can grow in size so because goliaths are already so big but they're also descended from giants they're going to get an ability where they can grow more and i picked this out specifically because i'm interested because i play a rune knight in the campaign that i play in now and they have an ability like i'm homebrewing my version so mine w won't do this but like in the rune knight which is in tasha's cauldron of everything the whole point is that you learned your runes from stone giants. And so part of the class's big thing is that you grow in size the more levels you take in the class. Oh, that's cool. Well, it is cool. Um, I didn't choose that because I had a different idea for how I wanted to approach it. Of course and my DM was did. very nice. 
My DM was very nice and let me do something uh, else. Can you hear my eye I... roll? No. Do do it harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in the rune knight ability, like you can grow a certain amount of inches. I think you roll for it, and then by a certain level, you reach like probably a foot taller than your character was when you were first like playing the game. And you also have the ability later, later on to just grow in class, uh, grow in size, like different size classes. So you're no longer medium, you're large. Oh, so that's what my doctor really said about in- me this week. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I was just curious as to how the stone giant ability would work with a class like that, because the ability is so ingrained in that class. And if you can play, you know, one D and D materials with fifth edition, I was wondering if there might be a clash there. I don't think there's going to be clash as much as like the broken synergy of I'm playing a rune knight Goliath. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the the picture, the picture of the um, rune knight is either a half orc or a Goliath. So they, like in the in the art they're just like oh well maybe the quote-unquote default which isn't actually the default but like when you look at the rune knight picture it's either a half orc or a goliath so like maybe they infer that you pick that just to have synergy with like your uh species and your class so i don't know i just i just thought that was worth bringing up because like i knew that rune knights existed and i knew that they had this ability and i'm just like that's kind of i like that goliath had that that makes sense but like how would that work yeah, like and you're, it's you're a little kind bit of too much like with uh, whole ability. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, as much like it is going to be this like it's something that you talked about a little bit with the bard, right? Like your specific opinion, you're like, oh, if you're giving that thing to this other thing, it makes that thing yeah. a little less special for the bards. It's the same thing, right? Like if you picked a rune knight, I'm like, oh, I can grow a little bit, and somebody picks a Goliath, you're like, I can grow more. Like, well, shit. Um, yeah, well, shit. Yeah. So it's very, it's very specific situation, very right. specific, and I know that. But I just wanted to point it out because I someone else is gonna say it. You're like you're not someone crazy. Else will right? say yeah, it. Someone will complain I'm about that. Yeah, thank you for saying I'm not crazy. Well, about then you're not crazy anyway, about this last, specific thing. Uh, no bards too. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last video was about spells and rules. I don't have a lot to say about this one. They have a bunch we don't of use spells or rules. Spells. We don't use spells or rules. <laughs> And they just they just added some clarification on some wording with the influence action. They clarified equip unequip light weapon light weapon functionality. Applied all the test feedback. Um, and they the one uh, spell change that they highlighted in the video was that they made resi- the resistance cantrip more useful. They made it a reaction instead of a full action so that people will use it more because unlike guidance which maybe gets overused resistance isn't used they said nearly enough they thought so they're making it a re- they're making it a reaction cantrip to see if people will use it more yeah so. that'd be cool because i don't think i've ever seen anyone use it at the table. exactly same yeah exactly <laughs> they are not wrong so that that's what they highlighted um again i haven't looked at the playtest material so i don't know specifically the spells and rules that they changed as per this video but that's what you missed on Glee. That's the new one D and D stuff. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I don't. I'm, I'm really excited about all that. I like that they're playing up reactions when it comes to some of the rule stuff. I am looking at the stuff like it's the same thing we yeah. talked about last time with it. But like, it seems like combat's going to be a little bit more involved, which will be exciting if you play it that mm-hmm. way. Um, so like, I'm I'm excited for all of it. I don't know if I like everything or dislike any of it. You know, I. I 
I, I will be more opinionated, sadly, when it's all finished and done and I see it as a complete package and then I can complain mm-hmm. about the stuff that I didn't complain about in the survey and it's uh, everybody mm-hmm. else's fault, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, but overall, like, I'm excited. Thank you, Shar, for watching all the videos that we didn't watch and giving us the rundown. Welcome. Carrying um, the team, as always. Always, as always, except for <laughs> your bardic knowledge. And maybe if you played a bard, you'd really understand what we're talking about. That's true. About. Maybe I yeah. just need to play a bard. You know? <laughs> Then I would know better. <laughs> Moving on to our final segment, Eye of the Beholder. Uh, you got a picture like my head, but like as a beholder head with like a bunch of eyes. Um, um, I need a picture of you, Terry, stat, so I can Photoshop this. Okay, I will send you one. I got a really big beard at the moment. Is that going to get in the way? Uh, I can Photoshop it out. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> Please Photoshop my beard. I want to know what you think my face looks like underneath it. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just curious. Uh, but we're going to talk about the, the little change that you mentioned, Shar. Uh, in D&D, they're changing the, the term race to species. Um, now, this is one that we've kind of been talking about, and obviously everybody else on the internet has been talking about it for a while. A lot of other games use other terms. Uh, race has always had a weird connotation, not necessarily just in the game, but in real life it has some negative connotations because it's a construct and it's not real here. Um, we're humans. Uh, but it's not just a social con- uh, construct in D&D, right? Like, they are of different ancestries. And I've been vocal on the show going, oh, I wish they would just change race. I know you two have before. But I specifically mm-hmm. was advocating for the term species. So I threw it out there. I was like, that one would it'd be an easy pick. And that's what they picked. And you two sent me a lot of really good, interesting, like, anecdotes from other people talking about it online and a few other reading sources about how... It is better than race, but it's still pretty problematic for a number of other reasons. And it might not be the same problem, but when we talk about how, like, there's a million other issues, but like, uh, uh, the bioessentialism or any of the other, like, problematic aspects of nerddom, we're like, well, it's not backed up by science. That is really easy to bring in here when we go, well, we call them species instead of races. It just has that same lick to it. So I want to hear what you two think on the change, whether you like it, dislike it. What What do you think? Go, Lissa, I just talked for like 30 minutes. Yeah, I, I give <laughs> you yourself a break. First. Give me a break. Yeah, go, Lissa, um, go. I think, I think that it's better. And I do like that they have taken initiative to change it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that I would necessarily choose that term. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has. So, in the in like I th- like I um discussed this with Charday um earlier. Um, it sort of has that connotation, a very scientific connotation of. In the similar way that you would call, you know, a a feminine human female or a masculine human male Mm -hmm. it has that same connotation of this very like cold detached scientific description Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that's wrong but it gives me like this very Essentially, like, the monster manual becomes a Pokedex where it's, like, non-human, it's cold, detached, it's, like, because we're we're, we're actually playing the actual Pokemon. Like, if we take this as a Pokedex, 
we're actually playing the Pokemon, like you are being the Pokemon, that's one thing. But if it's you own the Pokemon and you're like battling with it, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, it's it almost makes a lot making of sense. them. It makes them like animalistic in a way, which is weird because we want to be playing them. They're people, and they're and they're humanoid, and we're trying to make them. Like I would have picked something like lineage or, or something else because that has a more um, sentimental or connection to it. Humanizing. In a way, yeah, it, it humanizes them. Even though you know we do have all these species that are clearly not human because they're our fae. They're right, but like you know, you, outer, they're people, right? But they like, are humanoid. Yeah. To some certain degree. So I, in my personal opinion, I feel like it's a bit cold and detached um, in the way that I view D&D and in the way that I view my characters because I, I want to, like, be, yeah, I, I, I want to immerse myself and be, like, close to my character and to the other characters there. So it just, it, it weirds me out that I, I would then use, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a word. Sure, and it's scientifically accurate, which was my point. Where we're like, wait, just pick species, right? They are yeah, different it, it's species. Accurate, yes. But, but is it my favorite? No. No, and that's what that's why I'd ask because I was like, I had advocated for that term for a long time, and I was like, I really want to hear what your thoughts on it because you both were like, it doesn't seem right to us necessarily, and I was like, why? And what you came back with was like really, really poignant, and it really helped me understand why people didn't like the term, and I agree um like it doesn't make them feel like people which is what like they are right it's not just a different species like i think your pokedex analogy is spot on and perfect right it's not just oh those are the bird you know things no that's a person that's jeff and jeff happens to be a kanku you know i think that it makes them people and that's why like uh you brought up uh in our conversation paizo uses ancestry right yeah and i'm like that's that's just a better term right in in the long run and i think there is a little bit of an issue and i've seen some other anecdotes about this too where like we begged them to change this for so long now they changed it now we're throwing a hissy fit and it's i understand that to a certain aspect like kind of like give it a breath like give some praise that they changed it sure um and also try to recognize with the criticism that it's not the same negative it's not nearly as bad. Like we say, species no, still has no, no, some no. negative yeah. connotations, mm-hmm. but when we yell at them and go, this is awful. Why'd you pick this one? Well, it's not the same as race because race has racist connotations in it, which is arguably worse. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But it still doesn't mean that it's the best choice. And we can talk about that. I, I think if you play like species works in a sci-fi setting to me anyway i i like i don't play in sci-fi settings i haven't played sci-fi ttrpgs but like in a sci-fi setting where there clearly is um or even even in your fantasy setting where there's like clearly like a differentiation between i guess species and like you come from different planets and you you know you're like exploring space and but stuff i, like I that. still like think it that, has the same negative connotation that you brought it, up it, do, it does have it does have the same negative connotation but i think like also it's the context makes sense to me anyway personally and being like sci-fi has that science I, bent I, versus personally, i'm coming from a background where i i hate the fact that you call women females and men Males. I think that like, everyone just, should come from that. That's just, <laughs> that's just, that's just animalistic in, and barbarian, to be honest. Like, you, you call animals, you differentiate animals with that. You, like, you don't 
say women are females and men are males. Exactly, like, and that's like they're they're people. And I think that that's yeah, and I think that that's your exact point. So your I, your um your uh your Pokedex analogy yeah. still works for the sci-fi, even if we're it's playing Star Trek. Yeah. yeah, like once you go, oh, that race is is sentient. Well, then they're not fauna anymore, right? They're people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, like, when it's, again, when you show me those animals, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you're not crazy, number one. Number two, I don't think it works in a sci-fi thing. I think we'd be more okay with it because we try to name that event. But I think it'd be wrong there, too. I think you're 100% yeah. right. Ancestry, lineage. Because they're not animals. Yeah. And no. the, the, if we're playing them as people and they're people, then we treat them like people. Yeah, with the receptor respect they deserve even though they are fantasy creatures sure and maybe like if we were to get into our biology and we needed a term species is something that that can make sense it's the same way as like when we talk about our biology we use the same terms we talk about animals biology but we're not talking about biology we're talking about society yeah mm -hmm. and i think you know, it's so easy to yeah. use science as the way to Oh, well, like logic dictates uh, that the people aren't the same. It's the uh, biological determinism um, that is so easily thrown around and almost like pipelined into games like this. And when you brought yeah. that up when we were talking about it, I'm like, that is so easy to you put species in here and then you're inviting that kind of talk almost. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, and like when you brought that up, I'm like, yeah, you're totally right. I feel bad for saying I thought it should be species. But that's part of it. Like, I love that you got – that's why I wanted to hear what you specifically thought. Like, Sharday kept you kept mm. saying that you're, like, chronically online. I'm like, I don't think it's a chronically online take. I think you just talk to more people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Or just do a bunch of research and also, like, what Lissa was saying, like, when you describe it, female and male. Like, that's an adjective. That's not a verb. It's not. It's not a noun. Or a noun. Sorry. It's, it's not, not a noun. noun. I so hate like when people do that. It makes me want to kick them. So, when Lissa is saying like it reminds me of female and male, yeah, <laughs> like it 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 has that it has that same vibe. And while you know grammatically it's a bit different, species is a noun. Um, but it's just ugh. it just gives it gave me the ick and then i had to do some introspection of why it gave me the ick and i think it's because the context around species is so tied to science and then when you the only way i heard of like biology being used in D D from listen my research with like bioessentialism and biological determinism and i'm like oh no that's why it gives me the ick mm -hmm. is because it has ties in this and not that everybody will interpret it that way i'm sure a lot of people there are people who are reacting to this very very positively i have a tweet up from jennifer crutchmer who um she has worked with dna in the past she's a disability advocate and she's very happy with the decision and she points to the involvement of outside consultants and the direction that it indicates but she also tells people who are unhappy with it which i think is a good like call to action and saying, hey, the subsequent tweet where this was announced, which was with the announcement of Unearthed Arcana, it indicates a place to provide feedback. So if you have thoughts on the terminology, put it, put it there. Put it in your one D&D feedback if there's a section for it. Be like, hey, I really like what you're doing with species, but have you ever considered words like these? Or I don't, or just say, I don't like this. I don't have any um other options for you currently but i just want to make my opinion clear that i think this i don't like this because abc because it, it, if you're just putting it on twitter onto the void it's just going into the void and if you want to use your opinion to make change there is a place for you to do 
free to do that if you wanted to. Yeah, but you know? I'm I'm glad that people have been brought brought it up, and I'm I like that there's a little bit more of like a nuanced conversation around it, where it's like, no, I'm glad they changed it. It's species is better than race, but here's why it's not perfect. And mm-hmm. I appreciated you two when I said, hey, I like species. What's the problem? And you two didn't go because you're stupid. Um, you were like, here, <laughs> let, let's look into it. And Charday, I really appreciate that you're like, I don't know yet. I just don't like it. And then you did you did the research, right? Like you went and gathered up stuff. And and mm-hmm. uh, Lissa, I really appreciate your analogy. That's how I'm going to explain it from now on, too, is I uh, it's that the flora, fauna and like we're people. Right. Like social science yeah. is a science, too. And uh, and it's a little bit different, and there's room for that nuance, right? We are not yeah. animals that need to be categorized in, in that way. Um, so I appreciate yeah. that. And I also recognize, so I've seen some conversations, too, where there's negative connotations to some of the other terms, right? Like, the reason why I was so afraid of uh, ancestry and lineage is for almost like a similar subtext, but like some of the eugenics of it all, right? Yeah. Like those terms are thrown okay. around a lot by like Nazis and shit where it's like, oh, well their lineage is, is watered down or whatever. Like pure. Exactly. Yeah. Shit like that has the same, it's like, it just has just as many negatives. Um, I wouldn't say just as many, but it has some negatives as well, but that's, we find the right one by talking about it. Right. We don't find mm-hmm. the right one by going, oh, shut up. And just like, aren't you happy? Be happy. Yeah. yeah, just be happy about it. Like, just be open to conversations about it. Hear why people don't like it. And you don't have to agree with them. You could just state your opinion like, I think this is the best option because ABC. Listen to people when they're saying, well, it's better than race, which I think most of the discourse online, unless you – there are a couple of people who are very like, oh. you don't have to get rid of race in the first place. <laughs> it's not they do exist. I did see some of that, but overwhelmingly, I think people were just like, yeah, this is better, but is it the best term for it? So continue yeah. having the conversations, whether it's on Twitter with people you know, and then if you feel the urge to or you want to let you know wizards know because they seem in a place where they are open to hear things, at least that is the vibes that they are giving off. Who knows? They are... <laughs> capitalist nightmare they're part of the capitalist nightmare who knows if they'll actually listen always been always like with a you know sprinkle of salt in there like take that with a grain of salt Um, shot of penicillin put it in yeah exactly put it in the put it in the one D review your opinions on it and let them know well you two rock thank you so much for helping me out with that because like i said i'm like i i needed to know and that's also, I think, I wish more people were more open to being, I guess you could say wrong, but, like, it's an opinionated thing where I'm like, hey, I think it should be this. Tell me why it shouldn't. Like, and be okay yeah. with what you fucking hear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's always a learning moment, but I just, I appreciate you, too, and I appreciate you putting in the research uh, hours for that. And just, like, going with your gut and not being afraid to go, oh, I don't like it. Um, so, thank you. Uh, Lissa, where can the people find you online? They can find me on the Slovenly Trolls Instagram at Slovenly Trolls and on the Cave Trolls Twitter at Cave Trolls Pod all together. Awesome. Shar, where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me uh, being the best host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast, uh, where we talk about D&D and feminism and all the fun things that have to do with that. And then I also run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at slovenly trolls 
Heck yeah. And I'm at Resident Steve on Twitter. Obviously, you can find this podcast at Cavefields Pod. Like Lissa said, if you want to email us, you can email us at campyguildcreations at gmail.com. You can go to our website, campyguildcreations.com, find all of this content. If you want early content, bonus content, and access to talk to us because we're online all the time, you can head on over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations, give us a buck or two, get all of that early and bonus stuff over there. We have our uh, D&D book club over there. The first episode should be going up soon. Right, Lissa? Uh, yes. Because you're uh, awesome and edited it and hosted it. And over there, that's our book club. It's exactly what it sounds like. We read a book every month and we come and talk to you about it. And if you're part of our Patreon, you can ask us questions and we'll talk about it on there and you can read along. Uh, we haven't announced what we're doing next month yet, but this month's episode is on Ben Riggs slaying the dragon, the un untold history, the secret history of TSR. Secret history. Secret. Thank you. Um, by the way, that show is called Bitches and Books. <laughs> it's not just our <laughs> D&D book club. Um, and then we also have our lore rewrites that Char does to make D&D just a little less problematic and a little bit cooler. Um, you rewrite those. I do the art. Lisa does the designs this month. We did... It's not announced yet. Aha! It's secret, <laughs> you son of a gun. Um, secret. <laughs> I think I have the announcement set for, um, well, for this week. So, I mean, it'll you be up say on the yeah. so we can You can say it. Now. This is going up Friday. Okay. So. okay. Well, I, I, it's, it's been announced at this point, Ben. I'm doing the Frost Maiden oral. Hell yeah. My home girl. My good time Goyle. The big scary owl lady um the big cheese yeah i love it I'm, I'm very excited last month you did dryads dryads i remember i fucking yeah. drew it but I, I, I can't remember <laughs> can't remember anything can't remember, so. can't remember one day ago i can't i'm having trouble remembering <laughs> earlier today but uh thank you so okay. much for listening we've been the cave trolls and we're out Okay, now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our Patreon producers. You keep the lights on, you keep the mics rolling, and really, you make it possible to do all of this. We want to give a special shout-out. Thank you to the Lorax, who gets two special shout-outs, because I also thank you for speaking for the trees. We also have Jeremy Raymond. Raymond, thank you. Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only, and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much for being our Patreon producers. We appreciate you, and we owe everything we do to people like you. Um, I was trying to sound like the PBS thing, you know, paid for by viewers like you. I don't think I can quite pull it off. I haven't been watching enough Sesame Street lately, so that's what I'm going to go work on now.